0: Welcome to this New Birth Gospel Tabernacle podcast. This podcast features a message from the sanctuary in Cunningham Estate, Kayon, St. Kitts. We present you a message in the series by Minister Karen Hughes. And we see how the Bible is a real soap opera. Because Sarah did this, she gave her man. I mean, what woman in her right mind gonna put another woman in her husband's bed? Madness! Madness! You, I mean, she should have already known that was a recipe for disaster. And worse if Hagar was really cute, young, young, attractive woman, she got to be crazy. So Hagar did indeed become pregnant by Abram and gave birth to a son when Abram was 86 years old. But this was not the way in which God wanted Abram to run that race. Somebody say false start. Say it again. False start. Abram got in the race, but he went in the wrong direction. And that is what I would classify as a false start. So what did the Lord do? Did he cough Abram over his head and tell him, boy, hey, I have a great mind to send you back to where I got you from. Well. Not at all. He blew the whistle on Abraham for real. But instead of telling him, game over, God made him go back to the starting line and he put him into what? He put him into timeout. Right? But it was a prolonged timeout. 14 years later, what a tick. 14 years later is when God brought Abraham properly back into the game. And this time, Abram was able to conceive with his wife, Sarai, and cross the finish line at a hundred years old. And his wife, Sarah, was 90 years old, giving birth. And they had no IV. They didn't have any um, monitors for the, for, the, for the newborn. And you know that was, in this, today, that would have been a super, super risky birth. They would have had her hooked up to all sorts of monitors, but she was hooked up to the presence of God. And that was enough to usher them through to that finish line. The good news is that even if you fall that once, twice, many, many times, God doesn't throw you out of the race. He doesn't tell you, pack your things and go. He says, my son, my daughter, come again get up again run again the race is not for the swift jesus you see he is a loving father and he has employed the best coach sister elder the best coach in the world and that is the holy spirit and he comes behind and he helps he pushes he said come on son Come on, you can do it. He's right there encouraging you. And he's telling you, shake it off in Jesus' name. My God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I also want to, 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 to share what I consider a, a strange story. And this was another kind of false stat. And this story comes from 2 Samuel. Chapter 18, I think it is. And this is the story of Ahimaaz. King David, you would recall, had a troublesome, rebellious son named Absalom who overthrew his father and took the throne for himself and who had his father on the run from his own son. And so there was a back and forth, a battle between David's forces and Absalom's forces. And Absalom got himself his hair. His hair was very long. And his hair got caught up in, in some branches. And one of the soldiers went and told David's general, Joab. Joab was a Taliban. Um, this guy was caught up in the branch. Joab said, so what's wrong with you? Kill the man. And, and, and the soldier said, not me not me because then David would be upset with whoever kills his son and you yourself would not back me. Joab's troops, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in our language. Joab was, was upset, got some spears, threw them into the man and killed him. So here's the scenario. Joab wants to send word back to David because David was not in this battle. David would have been back wherever his stronghold was. And we're in verse 19, Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, and Zadok was a favored priest of David's. Ahimaaz said to Joab, may I run and take the news to King David? I'll tell him the Lord has destroyed the enemy for him joab answered ahima's no 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 you will not carry that message today you can do it some other time but not today because it is the king's own son who is dead in other words this is bad news then joab said to a man from interestingly ethiopia why he had to choose a black man go tell the king what you have seen So the Ethiopian bowed to Joab and ran to tell David. And remember, this is how they they relayed news in those days. But Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, begged Joab again, no matter what happens, please, let me also run after the Ethiopian. Let me go too. Joab said, son, why do you want to carry this news? You will not get any reward for the news you bring. Ahimaz answered, no matter what happens, I will run to David. Enough. So Joab said to Ahimaz, all right, run to David. Since you want to go so badly, run to David. Then Ahimaz ran through the Jordan Valley and passed the Ethiopian. So imagine they're doing the the 5,000 meters and they're in it for a while. But Ahimaz was a faster runner. Joab had his reasons for sending the Ethiopian who was not such a favorite as Ahimaaz. Why? Because even though the runner was just following orders, in those days he could have been punished just for being the bearer of bad news. The messenger could have been killed. So David was sitting between two gates of the city. The watchman went up to the roof over the gate walls and saw a man running alone. The watchman shouted to tell King David. King David said, if the man is alone, he's bringing news. The man came closer and closer to the city. But then the watchman saw another man running. He called to the gatekeeper, look, another man is running alone. The king said, he is also bringing news. The watchman said, I think the first man runs like Usain Bolt, like Ahimaaz, son of Zadok. The king said, Ahimaaz is a good man. He must be bringing good news. Ahimaaz called to the king, all is well, idiot. Ahimaaz bowed with his face to the ground in front of the king and said, praise the Lord your God. The Lord has defeated the men who are against you, my lord and king. The king asked, here the first thing the king asked, is young Absalom all right? You see where his heart was focused. Now listen to what (laughs) this guy answers. Ahimad answers, when Joab sent me, I saw some great excitement, but I don't know what it was. Now tell me. So he goes off running full speed overtakes the black man who was the messenger, the real messenger, and he gets before the king and he doesn't even know how the story go. He doesn't know what the real message is. Fake news news indeed, brother. Then the king said, step over here and wait. Ahimaaz went there and stood waiting. I don't even know what he was waiting for. The Ethiopian arrived and said, news for my lord and king. Today, the Lord has punished all those who are against you. The king asked the Ethiopian, Is young Absalom all right? The Ethiopian answered, May your enemies or whoever tries to hurt you suffer the same as this young man did. Now, it wasn't the ideal answer, but it was a diplomatic answer. He realized he never even said Absalom. The king, so the king knew Absalom was dead and he became very upset. He went upstairs to the room over the gate crying, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, Absalom, I wish I had died instead of you. So you see the king did not want to hear this bad news at all. And the strategy of Joab was to send the lesser known and less favored man so that it would be a pre-warning to the king that all was not well. And, he, and you see how they were judging it. Based on the runner. Based on who the person was who came forward. What is the lesson for us in the kingdom? You must know which race you are running in. We must understand the nature of the battle. We can't be halfway in for Jesus and halfway in for the world. But you see, some people love the hoopla. They love to know in things. They love to be in the excitement of stuff, but do they have a heart for the message? We need to be absolutely certain. What is the message that we are carrying? The message is that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he has won on the victory and on our journey. We're not necessarily going to like what happens. The king would not have liked that Absalom died. But we need to remember what is the goal. To lift up the name of Jesus. To proclaim that there is salvation in no other name. But the name that is above every name. So beware. False stats. And then we go down to verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 9. And it says... All good athletes are disciplined in their training. All serious athletes are disciplined in their training. They train hard. And we see that with the Olympics. These guys are buff. They do it to win a prize. A gold medal or a trophy that will fade away. Back in that time, they would get a a wreath of, of, of leaves. But we do it for an eternal prize, a goal that will last eternally. So I'm in verse 26. So what do I do then? So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. It goes without saying that serious athletes have to bring their A game when they're coming. They have to bring their best game to the table. Every single time I look at the Olympics, I, I, I look at these people and I marvel. I admire their discipline, their dedication and their perseverance. The elite gymnasts would spend between 18 to 35 hours every week in the gym, practicing. That's like 7 to 8 hours a day. I cannot even conceptualize that. I have to talk myself into doing the 20, 30 minutes. It'll work out. <clears throat> I heard... You can laugh, brother, but it's the truth. I heard Andre de Grasse, the, the Canadian winner of the men's 200-meter race, say that he, practices, that he practiced twice a day for several hours, six days of the week. These are people who are serious about their craft, serious about their commitment. They work out in the gym, on the track, at their skill, over and over and over again. And it is obvious. You see their bodies. I've I've never seen so many flat abs in my life. (laughs) Now, clearly, if we wanted to be like that, and if we wanted to have bodies that look like that, we have to put in the time, right? We have to put in the time. We have to be willing to make the sacrifices to get to where those athletes are at. And the thing about it is, we like our comfort zone. That is the truth, right? When you are lifting a weight, you get to a point where the weight becomes comfortable. And the temptation is just to leave it there. I'm sure I've been about, about lifting about 20 pounds for a couple of years because it's easy. It's relatively easy. Yes, you, get, you have to push a little bit, but you get used to it, right? But you don't make progress if you're doing what is easy and comfortable all of the time. And this is what Paul is talking about. Um, he said, because of this prize of the kingdom of our desire to please our God and King and Master, we choose to endure whatever we must. He said, I beat my body. And he doesn't mean literally he gets something and beat his body. He means that he disciplines himself to deal with hardship for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom. And what does that mean? I'll never forget, um, Pasadona preaching um a couple of months ago and her, the topic of her message was you can't sleep all night <laughs> you have to get up and pray you have been listening to the portion of a message from the new birth gospel tabernacle join us tomorrow for a continuation in this series thank you for listening and have a blessed day